1: Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome uh, to those of you in the Brownsburg site. Welcome to those of you in Avon. You're my neighbors. My wife and I live in Avon now and uh, excited about having a church site there as well. Uh, I do need to introduce my wife of now 46 years. Reflected the other day, we started dating. We started dating 50 years ago this fall when I was 10 years old. Hey babe, would you stand? Here's my wife, Kristen. Yeah, there's my partner. Yeah. Well, Thanksgiving weekend, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Three words. College football rivalries. That's why I'm rocking the Ohio State jersey. Win or lose. Boiler fans, of see where you are. Come on. All right. All right. Please take care of Michigan next week. We couldn't do it. You all take care of business, all right? Now, there's a backstory to that. When my wife and I were called as missionaries here from the promised land of Ohio to Indiana, God called us to this God-forsaken place called Brownsburg, Indiana in 1986. And when God brought us here, our kids were five, two, and one. And things have changed a little bit now. And one of the things, of course, we remember is our oldest starting to school. Remember what it's like when you had your first child go to school for the first time, what that's like? So my daughter was five, boys were two and one. Yeah, the boys were two and one. So my wife didn't come to church much, but she was at home (laughs) taking care of the boys. Uh, No, she actually did come with the kids, one on each hip. And, uh, but Daniel started kindergarten, first, first day. So, she comes home. And you know what that's like? She come home, you can't wait to hear, well, honey, how was your first day of school? And she said, mommy, daddy, are we for IU or, for, or Purdue? <laughs> I said, whoa, for, the elders didn't tell us about We had to make a decision about that. So, I said, um, let's see. Your mama was born in Ohio. You and your brothers born in Ohio. We're going to go Ohio State and stay out of the fight, okay? So that's why I'm rocking this, win or lose. But the deal is, it is a great weekend to, to pause and give thanks. We hope, we all do that regularly, but hoping you've been counting your blessings. And I just, I really do have a message on my heart today that God has been really impressing on my heart as I've had a chance to pray and think about this for a number of weeks uh, to come back and to be with you all. Uh, today, and it's privilege to do this. Uh, for what are you most thankful, though, really, today? I've had a chance to think about it a bit. There are many things I could put at the top of the list I've already kind of mentioned, family and things like that, but I also feel so grateful that God called us into full-time ministry. I don't have words for that. Nobody deserves any of our callings, but boy, when God Calls you, uh, he'll always do more than you ever ask or imagine. And so we had the privilege of being nine years with the church in Cincinnati, Ohio, and now we were here thirty-one over thirty-one years with the church here. And church here had a couple hundred people when we came, and. Packed children's areas here. We went, our daughter, I think there was one other, two other kids maybe in her classroom when we came for the first time. Just fun to see that grow. And we announced five years ago when I passed the baton to, to Pastor John, what I told this congregation, those of you who were here will remember, I said, as long as God wants us to, we will come alongside other churches that are kind of like Brownsburg was years ago and come alongside those churches if God wants us to do that and help them in their season. And God has done that. In the five years since I've been retired, we prefer the word refired. That's energized without the pressure. Okay? And so we've had, I've had five different interim ministries in the five years that we've been gone. where churches are without a pastor. The first four were tough situations to come in and kind of bring healing and to help them in the transition and bringing in a new pastor. And they've been mainly in Indiana and Ohio. And the last one was the church of 100 people. And that was just right down the road, by the way, Jamestown, Indiana. And number of Connection Point people are down there, and God gave us a pastor to connect them with, and they're on the verge of just taking off. And it's we're just so grateful. And I really do honestly say this is our favorite season. People ask, what was your favorite season with your kids? Every season really was our favorite. It been not perfect, but we loved it. And our seasons of ministry have been, uh, blessings as well. And so, we're so thankful that we get to continue to do what we love to do. Now, let me just clarify, as you're thinking about your own life and your own legacy a bit today, I hope you would be grateful for the fact that you get to choose your legacy. Have you ever thought, you know, I feel like life's out of control? The truth is, most of life is out of your control, even including your success. There are so many factors at play. But only you can choose your legacy. You have complete power to do that. Nobody can do it for you, but you get to choose your legacy. And so what will your choices be? Now, the good move for me in my life was in ministry was when I understood, finally, it takes a while to get the clue here, but it's not the pastor's job to build the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. That job is taken. He built his church more than we could ever ask or imagine as we've watched with our eyes. But the truth is God has given us all the privilege to embrace our legacy and to understand what our job is. Now, my job in ministry was to come alongside people and take them on a spiritual journey to help church members, followers of Christ, embrace their legacy that's, that's the goal. It's a very short job description. But that's what really what we're called to do. Pastor Ron and I visiting backstage and John. Their calling is to help you, to come alongside you and help you frame your legacy and be on, on it right now. That's not something to think about when you get old and retired like me. You need to be on that mission right now. What is your life about? And you want to make a lasting impression with your legacy. And hopefully it's a good you will leave an impression. Hopefully, you will leave a good impression. I heard a story about a men's conference, and some guys were coming all over the country to learn how to be better husbands and partner with their wives better, you know. And, uh, but can I just say there was a very narrow, old-school conference. Um, women hang with me on the story. But these guys were told in the conference, here's what you need to do. Go home, contact each other, see how things are going, practice what we've told you, and let us know how it goes. Two weeks later, pastor in the Midwest contacted a pastor he met from the West Coast and said, how's it going at your house? He said, well, and remember what they told us, they were told three things. You need to go home and you need to tell your wife, you need to tell her, honey, you have to cook more, you have to clean better, and take better care of the kids women, don't look at me like that. Just relax. You're going to like the way this ends. Trust me, okay? And so, he, he said, how'd it go? He said, I got to tell you, it, it worked. I couldn't believe it. The first day I came home, no, nothing really changed. Second day, nothing changed. Third day, she really was cleaning better, taking better care of the kids, and she's cooking more now. I can't believe that it worked. How's it going for you? The guy said, to be honest with you? Mm, no, I'm not so sure. I told my wife, hey, babe, um, they told us at the conference tell you could you clean better maybe cook a little more take better care of the kids he said I didn't see any changes the first day or the second day but on the third day I could see a little bit out of my left eye (laughs) now that's not the kind of lasting impression we want you to leave okay (laughs) we want to leave a good healthy impression as people come behind us in our lives and so let's talk about that today A lasting impression that really makes a difference. And I think of all the things you can be grateful for, God gives you the freedom to choose. You're the only thing in creation that gets to choose your journey. You get to choose your legacy. Not just what you do now, but even after you're gone, the impression you've left in God's vast universe in the lives and hearts and minds of people. And you're going to be so grateful you came this weekend because I'm going to give you what my favorite professors along the way would give me once in a while. I love when professors would give me the questions that are going to be on the final exam. I've come to give you today the two questions that will be on your final exam. We've come to talk real today. When you and I die and meet God, every single person hearing my voice right now in one form or another, you'll be asked two questions. Here they are. Number one, what did you do with Jesus Christ? What did you do with Christ? Did you try to pay for your own debt of sin, or did you accept his payment, the forgiveness he offered through his sacrifice on the cross? The book of Revelation calls this the great white throne of judgment. Your sin debt is paid for by Christ. You're going to heaven, you're forgiven. The other option is your sin debt has not been paid for by Christ because you didn't choose to accept that gift. You're not forgiven, and you're headed for hell. I just want you to understand today the truth that hell is not, uh, it's not a place where God sends people he's angry at. It's a place where it's designed for people who insisted on trying to pay their own way, Instead of trusting in Christ to pay their way. Jesus has already paid for your debt and mine in full. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do that will of my Father in heaven will enter. And on Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord! And then they're going to go through a long list of, Lord, these are all the things that I did, the good things I did in the church and so forth. But I will reply, You did all that good stuff, but I never knew you. That's a haunting verse, isn't it? You see, the correct answer to the first question will not be, I went to church. The Lord isn't asking about your religious activity when he says, what do you do with Jesus? Uh, Those are all good things. I mean, you can say, I went to church. I had this book at home called The Bible. I sang about Jesus. I raised my hands in worship to Jesus. But he's not going to be asking about your religious activity. He wants to know, are you connected with Jesus Christ as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life? Yes or no? And that will be question number one. Guaranteed, that will be the first question you're going to be asked. And if you do not answer the first question correctly, you don't get a chance to answer the second question. We're going to spend our time today focusing on that second question. You see, that second question is really, really important. But before we do that, I just want you to understand this church exists. You just heard Pastor John talk about it. This church exists to help connect you to Christ and other people and this church will be privileged and honored to help you in your journey to be connected to Jesus Christ and his people now with that said if you've been forgiven by Jesus Christ for your sins the second question will not determine whether you're going to go to heaven or hell it will determine what your eternal reward will be like you say wait are you what are you saying well, here's question number two. What did you do with your life on the earth? What did you do with the life that I gave you? This is called, by the way, in the book of Revelation, the judgment seat of Christ. So, there'll be rewards that'll be granted then for those who are of the redeemed. What did you do with the family? What did you do with the church that I put you in? what did you do with the friends that I gave you? What do you do with your gifts, your time, your talents? Because our rewards are not all going to be the same. How that works, I don't know. God's in charge of that. You're saying, do you tell me God has favorites? Yes, he does have favorites. But you get to choose whether or not you get to be a favorite. That's your legacy. You have the privilege to get in on this. John 10 verse 10 says this. Listen, the thief, Satan, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to them I have life and have it to the full. A fulfilling legacy, a life that makes a difference. Satan's goal is to keep you from God's purpose for your life. The Lord came to give you not only just a forgiven life, but he came to give you a fulfilled, a purposeful life. And so what leads to a fulfilled life? Great question. It's all about making choices. Now, don't Google any of this now. You can do that later. But for years, sociologists, secular sociologists, have tried to determine what is it that drives our decisions. We kind of know what we want to do, but the key is what drives us to make those decisions. A guy named Maslow in 1943 came up with what's called the hierarchy of needs. Other sociologists narrow them down to eight basic needs that drive the decisions we make. Let me give the first four quickly to you. There's the need, the physical needs that we have. That's why you breathe and eat and sleep and stay alive. The second needs, the need for safety. That's why you lock your doors and you buy insurance and you, that's why you uh, have law and order, hopefully. That's why you go to doctors and medicine. Third needs, the need for love. You need to be affirmed and loved. We all have a need for that. And the fourth is the need for esteem. You do need to feel good about you. We need to hear people say encouraging things to us about us. So, major on giving that to other people in your life. Now, those four needs, I gave them quickly because they give you instant gratification. Instant gratification. Feels good, but doesn't last. None of those are fulfilling at the end of the day. None of them lead to a significant legacy. So let's skip to those, just go to the last four. And the last four basic needs sociologists have determined, they're much more difficult to develop. However, they can lead to a more fulfilled life. The first is a need to learn. That's why you have a Bible, a study Bible. That's why you come here. That's why you watch documentaries and do researches. Knowledge is fascinating, isn't it? We have the need to learn. That's a good thing. We have a natural need to appreciate beauty. God has built that inside of us to love sunsets and landscapes and, you know, the the power of God we see in the world. Uh, Pictures on the wall. We have a need for that. And we have number three, the need to succeed. We want our team to win. Yes, I'm ticked off today, but I'll be all right. Okay, I want my team to be number one. I want them to win. But even if they do, like 17 years in a row, one year can change all that. (laughs) Success is fleeting, very fleeting. I've been with many people on their deathbed. Not one person has ever bragged to me about their successes on their deathbed. No, for years, sociologists thought this was the top need, hands down, the need to succeed but it's not true and that's really good news because the more they studied human behavior they realized there's one higher more significant need and that is the need to go beyond and that's the big idea we're going to spend a few minutes talking about today and that is when you and I choose when we choose to live beyond ourselves when you live beyond yourself your life will make A positive difference in the world. A positive difference in the world. See, here's the thing undeniable guilt that every one of us have, plus undeserved grace that we all need, should lead to unbridled gratitude. I should have put that on the screen for you, so let me just kind of say that one again. Uh, Undeniable guilt, plus undeserved grace. Should lead to unbridled gratitude. But when we're not grateful, you know what happens? We find ourselves complaining. And it really diminishes our impact on the world, our impact for God, and our impact to change the lives of other people. You see, we have this thing in church today, even in the American church, I think. Uh, once in a while, people refer to church members as stockholders. I cringe. I'm sorry stockholders, they determine, I like this, I don't like that. Any church that decides, church members, you you tell us, and we'll we'll give you what you would like. Jesus said in the last days, churches are going to give what people's ears want to hear. No, that's not the calling. The church is called to give us what Christ wants us to hear. It can't be ultimately what people want are driven by. God cares about our needs. The church cares about your needs, but it's a much bigger thing than that, so much bigger. And I want to say, if you're new to Connection Point, if you're in in Avon right now, you're watching online, you're here in Brownsburg, if you're new to Connection Point, man, this church is so glad to have you here. I am thrilled that you are here. You're at a wonderful place. And take your time as you pray about uh, whether this is going to become your church home or not. But once you sign up... (laughs) Once you settle in here or another place, wherever you decide that is, when you say this is my church, serve. Amen. Say, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Listen, playing in a game is so much more fun than watching the game. It's time you get in the game. That's where the fulfillment and the joy really comes from. And so, make a commitment. Worship every single week corporately, but you also make sure you're serving in the context of the church, an hour, every single week, every single one of us. Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, verse 35, listen, whoever wants to become first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. John 6, verse 27, Jesus said, Do not work just for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. You know, your Monday through Friday work, just don't spend all your time working for that. It's great to work for your food. But listen, do your work for the Lord. Build up treasures in heaven. All right? Make sure you're, you're, you're all in for him. Because, listen, God cares about your needs, but your needs, that's not the primary purpose of your life. Is to sit back and how is God meeting your needs? Are you comfortable? That is not the purpose of your life. So with that said, for a few moments we're going to study 2 Timothy chapter 4. Please take your Bible, your study Bible or your Bible app. We're, of course, going to put the scriptures on the screen so we all can go on the journey together. But I have just been drawn to this passage because Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, great missionary in the first century, a very real person, He wasn't a perfect person. He's nearing death. He's in his late 60s, most would have thought. And though he hadn't lived a perfect life, he had big time problems, but he doesn't dwell on his problems. He doesn't bemoan all that's happened to him. And I think there's some real key things we can take away from this today. And earlier he did, by the way, mention some of his struggles, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, what did he go through? He said, well, we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. What, how in the world does a guy persevere through that kind of stuff? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, he says, Our light and temporary or momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what we can see, but on what we cannot see. What we can see, that's only temporary. What we cannot see, that's eternal. That's perspective. Where if trouble's light, temporary, are you kidding me? 2 Corinthians 11. Here's an example. Paul's going through what happened to him for his faith in Christ. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. They said 40 lashes would kill a man. He was beaten within an inch of his life five times. Three times I was beaten with rods, and once I was stoned. You say, well, at least he got some relief. (laughs) Don't look at me like that. We're talking rocks, not weed here. Real stones, boulders. They tried to take him out. There are people being persecuted right now for their faith in Christ. It may come to that in, in our culture. I don't know if it'll come to that or not, but it may. But how could he say going through that, it's just light and temporary. It's not eternal because he was focused on his legacy. And so in this passage, man, he writes his final words. And so we're going to talk about having confidence in death. And you say, a downer? Are you kidding me? This guy inspires us on his deathbed from prison. He's within days probably of being martyred for his faith in Christ. And you're going to see today these words are full of hope and confidence and comfort and gratitude. Let's hit them quickly. Number one, let's face life realistically. Admit your own mortality. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure has come. It It's a sacrifice. My death is a sacrifice and it's a departure. The Old Testament, the Hebrews, they would, they were instructed to pour out the flask of, of the wine on the ground. They're sacrificing that to the Lord. And since Paul's conversion to Christ, he had sacrificed. He'd poured out his money. He'd poured out his time. He'd poured out his scholarship. And now he's going to pour out his life for the cause of Jesus Christ. And then he uses this beautiful nautical term. He had often sailed the Mediterranean Sea. I've been there a couple of times. Gorgeous. He did that to share the gospel. And many times he would wave goodbye as he would leaving shore into deeper waters. But now he knows he's going to the port of eternity. And he says he it says as, as if he's dying right now. The time of my departure has come. I'm now on my deathbed. And when your body starts to slow down, if there is not a genuine sense of fulfillment in your life, you can have a midlife crisis. Have you heard that term before? Midlife crisis happens where you you reach midlife, and if you're not fulfilled particularly, then you'll find some kind of way to do something really stupid. Because halfway, you're going, if there's a halfway, there's going to be an end. I got to do something here. And so, you want to have some kind of buzz. And you can be a downer, by the way, when you turn midlife. When I turned 49, somebody said to me, man, don't worry about it. You're looking to be 98. You only look half dead. Well, thanks for that. Truth is, it's a fact of life. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, each person is destined to die once. Say once. 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 Okay, not in multiple lives. Reincarnation is nowhere in the Scripture. You live once, you die once, you face Christ, then comes the judgment. That's a fact. It's the truth and the whole truth, so help me God. So since death is inevitable, let me give you four real quick suggestions. Number one, talk it over with somebody close to you. Say, this is how I want things handled when I die. Don't be afraid to have that conversation. It keeps it real with your people, with your family. Helps them to adjust when the time comes. Helps you face The truth about your life. Number two, write out a will. If you've not written out a will, this is a take-home today, man. Do it. Don't wait till you're 75 or 80. Way too many unexpected things can happen. You can avoid terrible taxation and delays. It helps confront your own mortality and put the Lord's kingdom in your will. If connection points your church home, give at least a tithe to the church or even more. And you make that decision ahead of time. And I have the privilege of telling you something that Pastor John told me this past week that I could share with you today. He told me that recently there are some Connection Point families, listen to me, who just recently made a commitment to leave half of their, half of their means and their estate to Connection Point ministry. That is living... That's a very nervous applause. <laughs> we're not saying you have to do it. Let God prompt you as he does. That's a big time deal. That's a lot bigger than a touchdown. That is leaving a legacy that will outlive you. Listen, and once you've done this, then number three, I mean, pray about, pray about your death. How many of you were taught to pray this way? Say the words with me. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake. As a child, I had to pray that. Okay, Lord, if I don't wake up in the morning, it's okay. I wake up, okay, Lord, another day, let's go. And then number four, once you face death, would you forget about it? Don't be obsessed with it, man. Go all out and live your life going for it. My sweet grandmother, bless her heart. She was so obsessed with her own death. Her own mother died so young. My dad, at 33, died young. So she was obsessed with dying. We would go see her every year uh, in August. And from the time I was little, she was always going to die. And every time we left, come here to mama, I'll give mama one more hug and kiss. And her kisses were big and wet now as a little guy. And I remember her saying, My mom may not be here next time you're here. And I thought, as a kid, where are you going? I had no idea. And when she finally died at 96 years of age, we really should have put on her tombstone, I told you I was sick. (laughs) Don't always be getting ready to die. Deal with it and go for it. Be right with God and make the most of it. Romans 14, 8 says, whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. Here's a second takeaway for you today. Embrace your legacy. Let's face death positively. Man, this is a very positive thing. The apostle Paul, he'd been connected with Christ for about 30 years at this time. And so, he embraced his legacy, and so that's why he's really at peace, dying under those brutal circumstances. He has life to the full in this painful moment. He writes in verse 7, man, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. I love that word fought because I love, I'm a jock. I love sports. Love sports. And the Greek word for fought is the word agon, from which we get the word agony. I love to watch those football players watch kind of off the field when they are just spent. They've done everything to leave it out on the field. Uh, man, I, I used to love, you know, where he also goes, says, I finished the race. I love doing mini marathons, and the six or seven of them here with the church group. I've had two knees replaced now, so I'm not allowed to do those anymore. My favorite part of the marathons every year, you know what they were? The last mile. I was almost exhausted, but you could hear people cheering people on, and you could see it, and then all of a sudden, that last mile, you're ready to rock and roll. You're exhausted, but there's nothing like going across the finish line. Have you ever known people who start out really impressively in their life, but they, then they mess up before they cross the finish line? Some closing foolishness ruins their whole legacy. That happens all the time. We read about it all the time. We read about it in the Bible. King Solomon, Judas Iscariot. How many politicians have we read or heard about? How many, we, call, we call them scandals. Professional athletes, uh, actors, teachers, coaches, pastors, who can wreck the influence of an entire life by closing foolishness because they weren't thinking about their legacy. They didn't get the message. Paul said, I finished the race. Hey, a 98-year-old Christian was asked one time, is it easier to be a Christian now that you're 98 years old? He said, I'll be honest with you, it's still pretty tough to keep my focus on the Lord every day. But there is a lot less peer pressure at 98. There's some positive things about growing old gracefully, okay? Okay. Paul said, man, I've kept the faith. I didn't water it down. The culture didn't like the message, but I still had to teach the message. By the way, that is for a message for today. Amen. Our culture is considered hate speech by many in the world today. And we've got to keep the faith. We've got to keep teaching the truth in love. And you hear Paul, he's so, he's so fulfilled here. You can hear it in his voice because he's embraced his legacy. And so, how can he make this transition? Uh, Let me illustrate it this way. You say, you have some neighbors on one side you're really close friends with. You do cookouts together, share Christmas together, go on vacation, watch each other's house, right? Watch each other's pet when you're going to be gone. And let's say that um, Christmas night, it's 20 below zero, and we've had that before. And your your heater goes out. What are you going to do? It's really not hard to go over to that neighbor and say, can we sleep in your family room tonight? (laughs) But let's say you have neighbors on the other side who you don't know very well, and these close friends are out of town. It's going to be a lot harder to go knock on their door and say, can we sleep in your family room? The relationship you've already had makes the transition much better. And if we're not confident in our relationship with Christ, we're probably a little shaky when we think about The judgment or return of Jesus Christ. What goes through your mind when you think about his return? Do you look forward to that or are you a little shaky on it? Then spend more time with him. Listen to him in the word. Talk to him in prayer. Serve him with other people. You make sure you're facing life realistically. Face death positively. And let's face the future eagerly. Let's embrace what's in front of us. Verse 8, Paul says, And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And that prize is not just for me, but for all who are eagerly looking forward to his appearing. Are you looking forward to Jesus appearing? Would you be excited if if I told you today, the Lord is coming back at 9 o'clock next Saturday morning? Purdue fans you'd be ticked off. You'd say, "Can we at least get through the game?" Uh, the, the deal is, do you really long for disappearing? I mean I mean, long for it. I think the more you mature in your faith, perhaps even the older you get in your faith, the more you actually look forward to the life that's to come. I had a uh, class. Again, 50 years ago, my freshman year in college. Again, I started college when I was 10. It was called Old Testament Survey. And um, this Hebrew scholar, Dr. Wilkie Winter, taught us we had to go through, read, and be tested on the entire Old Testament in one semester. I apologize today. I do not have the Old Testament memorized. Tell your neighbor that was supposed to be funny right there. Just tell each other. I don't have it memorized. I don't remember most of of what he taught us, Though I still have the files in my garage. I can look at my files. But what I can tell you is a story that he told us I have never forgotten. He said, I was a little boy. I used to think of heaven as a place with a lot of people walking around that I don't know. Beautiful place. But then Mrs. Anderson, my Sunday school teacher, died, and then I thought of heaven as a beautiful place, a lot of people walking around, and there's Mrs. Anderson up there. Then he said, I had a, I had a classmate who died in an accident. He said, then I thought of heaven as a beautiful place with a lot of people walking around that I don't know, and Mrs. Anderson and Billy. He said, now my father has died, and a lot of other people I know have died. He said, and now I have to tell you, I think of heaven as a beautiful place with a lot of people walking around up there. There's Mrs. Anderson and Billy and my dad and a lot of people, and I can't wait to get there. The Bible tells us this, Colossians 3. Listen, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Connection point family, some of you don't know me real well. Those of you who know me have been laughing with me regularly because you know that I, one of my values is I think church ought to be fun. Life's pretty serious. Not flippant, but Joyful. At the same time, this is not a game here. Every single person you've ever locked eyes with will meet God someday. Heaven and hell are real places, and real people actually go there. I've had eight Connection Point family funerals in the last couple of months. And you know what? Even sometimes, even me, I forget how urgent the message is. How urgent this thing is that we get the message out of Christ anywhere, anytime, anyplace, to anybody, now. I had a funeral on July the 7th for Brady Sterwald. The privilege of marrying his mom and dad 15 years ago. Brady was 13 years old when he went to heaven on June the 30th. He was a healthy boy, he went to the Indianapolis 500 with his dad and family, had a little vacation together, came home, he wasn't feeling very well, and then uh, he ended up having to be taken to the hospital on June the 8th. And for 23 days, he was in the hospital. And a series of tests and further complications revealed, he had leukemia. Although Brady never had any pain, and he never even learned of his condition. But his family underwent a 23-day nightmare that ended at 2.30 in the morning on June the 8th. They grieved, and they will not have closure for their grief until heaven. By the way, neither will you. You don't get closure for your grief in this life. In heaven, there's no more grief, mourning, or pain. You still walk with a limp. You'll always grieve. But the fact is, in heaven, there will be no more grief, mourning, or pain. And the Stairwald family told me this week they've been attending the grief share class here at Connection Point because the holidays with an empty chair is tough. When Laura and Kevin gave me the permission to share this story today, Laura Brady's mom said this to me, quote, Steve, thank you so much for sharing Brady's story this weekend. I, I really believe it'll be for God's glory, and I'm so thankful for that. How? Kevin Brady's dad texted me. Steve, we're trying to focus on the joy of heaven every day knowing where Brady is today, and we'll be with him one day. Now, how in the world could I share this story of hope with a broken heart? But how can we share this with gratitude? Because the Starewald family was a part of the Connection Point family of the Lord Jesus Christ. And on his own in this room, One of the baptism weekends. Brady walked forward to give his life to Christ and publicly demonstrate Jesus was his Savior and Lord. Here's a picture of him getting ready backstage. And only God knew, but that was September 21st, 2019, just before the pandemic hit. Wouldn't be many chances to do a baptism for a while. But he was baptized that day to celebrate his faith in Christ. And so even though Brady was only 13 years old, he had no idea his life was going to be that brief. <laughs> he's left all of us a legacy here today. In fact, his family told me at Thanksgiving, he, always, he wanted to do the prayer at Thanksgiving. At Christmas, he's the one, can I do the prayer, can I, can I do the prayer at Christmas? That's the kind of young man we were talking about. How can we share this today? And thousands of people right now hearing this voice can be inspired with his legacy, 13-year legacy, because we do not grieve as those who have no hope, as bad as it is, First Thessalonians chapter 4 says, listen, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who fall asleep in him. We believe that. That settles it. Whether you and I believe it, or not. But I sure hope you do. How about you? I don't know why God put this on my heart, but for some of you specifically, you're why God put this on my heart today, because you're still carrying around your own guilt and shame. And you need to stop doing that. Jesus has destroyed the barrier between you and God. This church exists to connect you with Christ and other people. And they would, they would love to come alongside you. Please today, take your very next step to be connected with Christ and you live your life to the full every day that you have. Others may be drawn to him, the way, the truth, and the life. That is embracing your legacy and offering praise and thanks to God. Let's pray. God, thank you for giving us the truth Thank you for the word of God, this absolute truth source that we have so much evidence for, scientifically, archaeologically, historically. Thank you that Jesus makes more sense than he doesn't, even though we've never seen you with our eyes or heard your audible voice. God, we know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we have hope in the worst of circumstances. God, we thank you for the stairwell family and for their powerful faith and trust in their pain to still express joy when you're hurting that only happens because of you and God I just pray you'll begin to move in hearts hearts sitting in Avon right now and in Brownsburg and all kinds of places in this country and around the world that in this moment they would stop and say I believe Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God Lord I want to be ready to meet you guide me, Lord, in that next step, that I can be at peace with you. I can use my life to serve you, love God, and love other people until one day we receive the prize through Christ. And God, we pray in the strong name, the hopeful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen.
0: Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at CP. Dot news. That's the letter C, the letter P, dot news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us. And please join me again next week for the Connection Point podcast.